Welcome to Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, 88 or on the internet wherever you are. Today is Wednesday the 20th of May. It is currently 7am and you are joined by your boy sitting across from me, Liam. Hell yeah. And myself, Lawson. Getting chained. And we are, we're here to, we're here to bring you some faith fm morning absolutely. show absolutely i'm so keen i'm so grateful to be here filling in for lyle this i wasn't morning. expecting that that uh, introduction yeah. <laughs> i was a bit shocked <laughs> yeah we we go we energy go is pumping top. yeah that's what we do that's what we're here for absolutely um liam what are you grateful for this morning, this morning i am thankful that uh for an egg last night i cooked an egg and it was <laughs> it was it was pretty pretty it's pretty good egg. pretty on point <laughs> tell you what like the inside the yolk it, it wasn't oozing out, mm. but it was just runny. It was just, just runny enough so it stayed there. And <laughs> like, and the, the, the yolk was centered in the, in, the, in the white of the egg. It was yeah. just everything about it was just gorgeous. How, how did you do the egg? Was it a sandwich thing or? Oh, so here's, so I, um, I, I don't like meat pies. Yeah. And so we had meat pies last night. So I, yeah. I broke open the top, got all the meat out and then put an egg in. <laughs> Mate, that is uh, that is oh, some yeah. Master Chef action right there. And then, there. you know, salt and pepper and you beauty. Away, oh, away she goes. Yeah, there you go. Um, I am really grateful um, that, yeah, I'm about to complete my first semester of my theology degree. We're in the midst of Mad May at the moment. I'm like three essays deep into like my five final essays that I have to do for this semester. There. Um, yeah, I'm get I'm getting there. It's How good. good. Yeah, so I'm I'm been loving it, and uh, yeah, it's been a little bit stressful, like essay after essay after essay, just over the last couple of weeks, and and now um you know soon going into exams, but hey, dude, loving it. It's coming to the end of the semester. Like, man, going on break soon. Yeah. Mad may guess the best of some people has got the best of you yet. Um, no, no, we're 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 trucking on. Praise God, good to hear. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM positively different all right what's what's happening what's the good news for today positively different news this morning mm. i'm going to go over to uh two countries in one. Oh, first, see oh, here we go there's this british british girl who a couple six years ago went to iraq mm. or iran uh i can't remember one of the two anyway mm. she went over there and she's a surfer and she was doing a, a documentary about the surfing in this country mm. um now, in this country, it's it's predominantly Muslim women. Did she say in Iran? It might have been Iraq. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, but it's it's one of the two. I can't remember. Anyway, it was one of those two, and she went over there. And one of the biggest issues that she found with these young women that were wanting to surf in, the, in this country was that they couldn't, not because yes. they couldn't surf, but because mm. they couldn't wear the appropriate attire uh, culturally as, as, as Muslim women in the water Mm. so what she's gone and done which i think is really really good in supporting you know all the different cultures around the world she has gone and created what she calls the sea suit which essentially is is a hijab that women can wear in the water it's it's a hijab wetsuit hijab wetsuit yeah that's epic it's awesome that's so good oh so you know she spent the last six years designing it and she's she's just recently let it out Mm. um her name is the the the, she's an irish surfer not english surfer uh her name is esky britain and yeah she's she's just done it sounds very irish it is (laughs) yeah i love the irish people they're great um but yeah, she's done an amazing job at that. Yeah, and I just think the reason why I brought this up is because I think although 
on Faith FM, we are Seventh Day Adventists. Mm. I think it's always good to support different cultures and different religions. Yeah, we may not always agree with everything they say and everything that they believe, mm. but I think it's always good to to find the common ground yes. and find the things that we can all agree on, and mm. connect on that. Connect on that level, mm. whether it's you know the nitty gritty beliefs or just the fact that we that we all love Jesus. Yeah, I think it's always good to find the uh, the 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 things that we all like. Yeah, that's such an important point. I think when an ideology manifests itself into a kind of a formalized group of people, just because your ideologies don't necessarily match up, um, and, and you know it could be a case where they're very disagreeing. Um, as long as, you know, there is no, like, <laughs> as long as that, uh, that that group that is manifested isn't actually doing something harmful or legal or persecutory or whatever, like, <laughs> they they deserve respect. Yes, like, we absolutely. deserve respect for our beliefs. And I think that's, that's such a good thing that this lady, like, I'm just assuming from what you said, is she uh, uh, Islamic herself? I don't think so, no. No, so she's just gone in and... She's like, just gone over to learn about yeah surfing in in this country like i see that as rather humanitarian because Absolutely. she has like she has no um inclination she has like no reason to go over there and and create something i think with the like religious subtext that's there she doesn't need to do that yet yeah she's passionate about surfing and um that's kind of led her on this journey of like you know um yeah uh, helping, you know, uh, the development. She of gets to share her gift with these the people, Muslim community, which is th- that's so epic. That's so cool. I don't know. It was. I thought it was pretty cool when I found that this morning. <laughs> um, in other news, though, right here in Australia, we there's a, a group of scientists that mm-hmm. have. I, I can't. I don't know exactly what the word is, but they found some dinosaur bones. Oh, in Australia, <laughs> and they nice. they they dug them up. They were old old ones, mm-hmm. and. It was a delicate, a delicately built dinosaur that once roamed Australia when it was part of. Ant- so, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you know it may not be exactly what we what uh, we all believe in, but it's a great segue to another thing that I've got that was featured uh, in Adventist World, the Adventist magazine yes. that goes yes. uh, and goes out. If you'd like to find look at your own copy of this, uh, you can go to where's the website for it. I just uh, let's just assume it's adventistworld.org. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So if you if you want to know more great stories, go to adventist. Oh yeah, adventistworld.org. You beauty. <laughs> go to adventistworld.org. Um, so over in America, there is a university called La Sierra University. Oh yeah, yeah, in California. In California, and they're archaeologists. That's what I was looking for before. Yeah. Um, there is a professor and archaeologist, uh, Chang Ho Ji. Apologies if I pronounced the name wrong. And uh, he, along with several other La Sierra students, they went to Israel, I believe, and they discovered a cylinder-shaped stone that had an inscription discovered in a 3,000-year-old temple in Kerbat Ataraz, Jordan, and it referred to a battle waged and won by a Moabite king, Mesha, uh, in revolt against a king of Israel. Mm. And the thing that is significant about this is that it is possibly the earliest known written uh, mention of the name Hebrews. Mm. And, um, yeah, I thought that was... So, yeah, it's, it's just... Yeah, that's that's really The cool. name Hebrew, it's not just something that's been chucked around yeah. every now and then. It's It's got 
pretty solid foundations. Interestingly, like the more that archaeology has been, you know, doing its work, you know, the more uh, the more sites that have been dug up and the more um, we advance into time and understand more and more about what's happened in the past, um, the more and more like, you know, the Bible and, um, you know, Jewish culture and whatnot is being confirmed. The history of the Jews, at least, um, we're just finding again and again that, that things aren't coming up that are nece- that are that, di- that are disproving the Bible history. Rather, things are we're finding things and things are being dug dug up that are confirming, which is what we see. There. Exactly, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yesterday, I think it was, or the day before. No, yesterday in the encounter with God bit, we were talking about the comparison of, of the creation story and evolution, mm. and how. You know, you, you believe that something comes from nothing or something yes. comes from something. Yes. And it's much easier to believe that something comes from something yes. than something comes from nothing. Oh, yeah. And I think it, it's, we constantly see things that, that emphasize the things that are seen in the Bible. Yes. And even right now, there's a, a, something else that's completely different that is emphasized in the Bible mm. is the isolation laws in Leviticus. Yeah. That have been, you know, <laughs> yeah. really brought to brought to, to to the top of the table yeah for sure and 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 that's the thing it's like we're seeing from the perspective of like in that case it's that um in terms of the isolation laws is that the bible has really powerful insight into health which is consistent with our ideology that god knows you know is our creator and knows how we work um while simultaneously as you mentioned before the argument about it's easy to believe that something comes from something rather than something comes from nothing you know we can uh, make a case for god on um you know, purely reasoning um, on on those grounds, but it's really cool in terms of this archaeology that's been found that there's historical, um, like tangible evidence Absolutely. that is testable that we can see. Oh man, okay, yeah, the, the recount of the Bible there has been go. going on. Lots it's- of things in the Bible that we can all get around that we all <laughs> can agree on. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Coming up now, we have got a regular Wednesday guest. David Hap, good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning, uh, guys, and good morning to your listeners. I'm very well, thank you. All right, David, we are, uh, again, super happy to have you on as you appear semi-regularly on on our show. Um, And particularly today, we wanted to discuss the topic of men's mental health during the time of coronavirus, uh, during, you know, the COVID-19 crisis and the pandemic and lockdown and whatnot. And we just wanted to get some, some insight into that topic. Guys, that is not a topic that men discuss. It is a topic that men actually do not talk about. We try to men avoid. Do not talk. That that is a female thing. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly why we're we're jumping on today and and getting into it. We want to we want to open the the conversation. We want to talk about this. As yeah, as we're going to be talking about today, there have been quite a few people trying to spark this conversation um, in some different and interesting ways but yeah super grateful to have you on the show david to talk about this um thank you i guess the first thing that we could talk about in terms of this is how is you know how are you seeing men's mental health being affected in this area of coronavirus and covid19 and and lockdown as well it's very interesting the difference between male and female in response to mental health Um, The way that females build relationships and how they process um, challenges in their life, whether it is mental health or any other form of challenge, is that women tend to talk Mm. 
So they connect with others. They they share their emotions. They share their feelings. Mm. And in the they're not necessarily always looking for an answer from someone. But in the process of speaking about things, what happens is that they sort themselves out. Uh, females then therefore also would demonstrate primarily from a emotional perspective in other words when they are really struggling uh, in in the mental health you would see emotional outbursts and crying mm. and therefore people will rally around them male is a different breed um, we as males we do not talk when we go into a an emotional struggle we tend to withdraw we went, uh, we tend to go into that silence mode um, where we do not talk, we try to process things first in our own mind. The, the problem is that as mental health takes over in our life, our frontal lobe shuts down and mm. therefore our reasoning processes start to become impaired. And because we do not communicate, men tend to primarily um, present in anger, aggression, and that is why we see a spike in um, family violence uh, during COVID-19. And uh, we also notice that when, when men go into uh, a mental health state that they actually do a lot of self-medication. In other words, masking mm. of the emotional pain. Mm. Yeah, it's that's so heavy. And I think like something that's really highlighted there is, uh, again, you know, the difference between the genders is that we see... Um, that kind of that manly pride kick in of oh, I have the ability to fix this, um, and if I can't fix it, well, then I can't talk about it, um, which is just such an unfortunate thing. But that brings me on to the topic, and something we wanted to speak about today is the efforts that have been made by some people to bring awareness to this topic, uh, particularly the awareness to men's mental health. Um, and how some of those methods have been good, while some of those methods have been, as, as could be seen or could be said, a little bit problematic. Um, what, what have you observed in that space, David? Um, whenever I have run mental health programs, especially in the area of depression, anxiety, it is predominantly the females that attend those programs. Mm. We're at the moment looking at changing our advertising material to specifically try and target males. Uh, as, as you've correctly uh, said there, you know, men um, are taught from very young that boys don't cry. Uh, boys have to be able to manage their stuff. And when they can't manage it, uh, we actually send them a message that uh, they are a failure. Mm. So it is a shame for men to, to have to acknowledge that they can't cope because society expects them to be the stronger, to be the one that is able to cope, to to be there for the rest of the family and for the mm. spouse. Uh, even from a biblical perspective, God never asked the wife to be able to die for a husband, but he's asking that from the wife. In other words, that denotes a sense that we have to, as males, be strong. So when it comes to mental health issues and we are unable, we have some spiritual as well as 
uh, community uh, barriers that we've got to get over in order to find help. And therefore, it, it is so difficult for Wales that they rather would numb their senses and, and numb their pain mm. through alcohol and drugs and uh, all kind of things. And therefore, because males are struggling very similar to females on mental health issues, COVID-19 is impacting us all. And uh, we, we will rather see now that males will bring out challenges mm. like push-ups and the mixture, which has just hit the you know the, the news of uh, chewing through some some eggs and a raw egg, and then going through uh, a bowl of sugar, and then into uh, spirits, and then uh, drinking you know a beer. Mm. So we we bringing so to say manly stuff in. What sits behind that? Yes, the intent is good, but is it in reality to prove that we are men? Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a super important point. You had something to say? Yeah, I was way? just going to say that um, it's almost like we're trying to to fix the problem with the thing that initially caused the problem. Ooh. You know, the the the. A lot of people that are suffering suffering from from mental health issues is because of of alcohol. the alcoholics, and now we're trying to fix that by promoting the use of, of alcohol. Yeah, oh, that's that's. How, I think that's been one of the most contentious points around this this particular challenge that we're seeing going around. Um, I, I don't know if it has a necessary like a name for it, but yeah, this whole idea of when uh, yeah they drink an egg, you know eat some sugar and then they yeah then they start uh smashing some alcohol uh, yeah it's it's a little bit it could be seen as a little bit problematic from a perspective of you know the, the fact that yeah um alcohol has such a huge role in the inappropriate and and incorrect um way of, of medicating um and causing depression so you know yeah what 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 can you what can you say to that david guys we need to recognize that in depression uh, and in anxiety, our frontal lobe of a person battling, for instance, with depression under a PET scan will show that there's a suppression and less blood flow and activity in the mm. frontal lobe of the brain. Up to 30% research have shown uh, activity in the frontal lobe of the brain. The frontal lobe of the brain is the area of our brain where we make higher order decisions in. In other words, decisions between right and wrong. Mm. So if depression suppresses that area of my brain, mm. which is the area that alcohol also impairs first mm. and foremost, it is the frontal lobe of our brain. Mm. So if I'm trying to activate people, help men to come out of the depressed state, and I want them to make higher order decisions about changing life and especially the way that we think about the coronavirus and its impact on us. But I'm at the same time suppressing further my frontal lobe of the brain. Mm. Am I contributing to the problem or am I really helping people out of the problem? Mm. I'm actually contributing to further suppress the frontal lobe of the brain. Mm. And, and therefore, and not really 
being very helpful in in this way. Yes, I understand the reason why men try to do fun stuff to speak about this problem. But in reality, are we really making a difference in the lives of those men? I don't think so. It is very interesting that males tend to suppress their emotions, suppress their feeling, and therefore suppresses their frontal lobe mm. instead of facing the problem and uh, asking ourselves the question how can i grow out of this environment how can i grow in the midst of coronavirus how can i become resilient resilience mm. is not just the ability to bounce back but it is in actual fact to come out on the other end stronger than what i was before mm. uh, something that you said earlier um that I think is really important uh, is that you said like the intentions are coming from a good place. I think, yeah, that's something really important to recognize as well as like, you know, I think there is with these challenges, there's this real promotion of community um, that, Hey, you know, I do this challenge and then I nominate other people to do this challenge so that the word goes around and a community is promoted. Um, and you know, the, it gets talked about more because like, as you could probably speak to community and spending time with others is, you know, one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest tools that can be used to help and cure depression to get out of that kind of isolated space that, um, you know, coronavirus and lockdown and whatnot has promoted. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I guess it's, um, that's where we, as you've been saying, that's where we need to maybe draw the line. It's like, yes, for the promotion of community is so important, but not to the point where we're just promoting something that, you know, we're using something that's good to promote something that's not, yeah. not so good. It, it's very interesting that while females use communication to connect, and to work through their problems. How does males connect? Mm. Now, we we hear three males talking. Uh, how, how would we resolve a problem? Um, I've, I've got a problem with my vehicle, uh, and Lawson and Liam, I know that you guys are experts in cars, so what <laughs> would I say? I would come and say, guys, um, you know what? I've been having some troubles lately with my vehicle. The, mm. the carburetor just doesn't want to seem to do work properly. As a guy, the, both of you are immediately hearing that I'm asking for help. help. And what we would do is we would roll up your sleeves, go under the hood of my car and start to fiddle around. Mm. And it is while we are fiddling around there that we are actually bonding. Mm. So men do not talk through their problems, but they actually do activities together. And th this is behind this whole gesture of really, but I've, I've seen other groups challenging their fellow males to do uh, push-ups together and to do the push-up challenges. Mm. Uh, it is coming alongside men, doing things with men that actually opens up the avenues to communicate and to work through and to support each other. Mm. And this is where isolation is a major challenge for us because isolation inhibits us and blocks us from being able to do those things. Mm. I wanted to, I wanted to speak to that. Like just quick, we have about a minute left. What, what would you recommend to someone struggling with mental health in this time? Just to close out, what, what can they do to, um, I guess, yeah, to regulate that struggle and to to 
you know, help that problem? Guys, we have in our palm of our hand, we have devices to be able to communicate. Now, that is a female thing, but sharing with men where you are at, being willing to take the plunge and become vulnerable. Uh, that is so contrary to our nature, but that is in actual fact what men need. If I come and I say to you guys, you know what, uh, there's been a time in my life that I really struggled, that I felt that life was not worth living. Mm. Um, but here is a way that I have processed those emotions and feelings. And then ask that intrusive question. How is it with you? Mm. How are you coping? In other words, caring enough to be confrontational, but also at the same time to disclose your inner struggle and become vulnerable. Men respond to that. Mm. Men do, men, if, if a male is so confident in himself that he can become vulnerable to others and uh, share his struggles in life, men actually connect to that. It is the macho thing that we feel that we have to be rigid in only sharing the good parts about ourselves. Mm. That actually blocks communication. Powerful stuff. Thank you so much, David, um, for speaking to us today. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We have come time for Question of the Day. Yes. And the question today is a bit of a doozy. (laughs) Okay. Does God want his children to suffer on his day of rest, the Sabbath? Now, this question comes from the idea of Hmm. doing activities on the Sabbath, such as swimming. You know, uh, is it permissible to swim on the Sabbath? Mm. Now, I come from far north Queensland where it is sweltering <laughs> hot in the summer and we have our, you know, we have baptisms in the creek and then after that's finished, we all go for a bit of a wade and just cool down. Mm. Is that okay it, yeah. according to the Bible? And if not, isn't that making us suffer on the Sabbath? And does God want us to suffer on the Sabbath? Oh, good point. I think... um yeah, there's a few places um, where we can go with this in, in understanding this idea of suffering on the Sabbath. I think most notable um, is in the Bible, it says in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 13, um, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord of the and the holy day of the Lord are honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure nor speaking your own words. Um, so this this idea, and then it goes on to say, like, God will bless you and honor you um, if you do these things. So a lot of people uh, pick up those couple of um, uh, words there. They say, like, the word pleasure in particular. Um, and they're like, oh, like, we're not supposed to do our pleasure on the Sabbath. So we're not supposed to, like, have, like, any fun or do anything. Um but then interesting, it says, and it says, like, it says after that, it says, and call, and if you call the Sabbath the delight. So it's like, don't do your pleasure, but call the Sabbath the delight. And this has caused a little bit of contention. I heard a story one time of, uh, yeah, a couple in, in China who, you know, had this issue of like, oh man, like, we can't do pleasure on the Sabbath, and it became a day of 
just incredible affliction for them um, because of their cursory reading of this verse. Interestingly, when we when we take this verse um, into Hebrew, into the original language it was written in, the word pleasure there is actually a, 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 an adjective. Um, sorry, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the right word, adjective or noun, um, that can be also translated into the word um, business. And so what this is getting at is the idea of not... Um, not getting into your own business. And, and, and this stems um, quite easily, as we've talked about before, you know, how God rests on the seventh day at Genesis. And then once the Sabbath commandment is uttered for the first time in Exodus chapter 20, it formalizes this and it's like, you know, um, everyone should stop working. You know, um, thou shalt not do any work. Um, you know, no one in your house, none of your servants, no one does any work on the Sabbath. Um, so, yeah, I think from a, a principal perspective, like, it's good to start there that, you know, the Bible isn't saying that we're not supposed to have fun on the Sabbath. In fact, it says delight here, that we should delight in the day. Um, and, yeah, but what that looks like is not working. Also, you know, in terms of celebrating on the Sabbath, having lots of fun on the Sabbath, we see in the book of Nehemiah when they get together and they read the Torah for the first time um, in hundreds of years um, on the Sabbath that all the people become incredibly afflicted by that. They're really convicted and they're like, oh, we feel so bad because we haven't been close to God. And it's Nehemiah and the priests who come forth and they're like, look, eat eat the fat and drink the sweet and celebrate on the Sabbath. Like, have fun, delight in it. This is, this is a day for celebration in remembering what God's done for us, not only in creating us, um, but in the way he's led us back into Jerusalem and how we have a, a country again. How this reflects on, I guess, your question of like, oh, can we swim on the Sabbath is ultimately like, I think it's, the answer is yes. Yes and no. It's essentially like, is that swimming that we're partaking in conducive to, um, in conducive to delighting in the Lord? And now if I was like to wake up on Sabbath morning and like, all right, I'm going to the pool to spin laps. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. And this is my personal application, but yeah, for everyone to jump in the creek and sweltering hot far North Queensland, I'm like, yeah. Go for it. For sure. Like, you know, and you're, you're spending time together as a church community. It's the same as like the Sabbath walk, Absolutely. Right? I love like, Sabbath walks. Oh, Sabbath walks are the best. And I think that's one of the things I've missed the most during isolation, even though we're now allowed to get out and go walking um, in, in groups. But yeah, Sabbath walks are amazing. And I think that, yeah, as... um. As we keep the Sabbath going forward, let's just try and delight in the Lord and doing that the ways um, in which we can.